Welcome back to the Have Not Room. I'm Ben, and I'm joined here by Chad. Uh, it's just the two of us tonight, uh, but we're here, very excited to talk about uh, the end of week two into week three of Big Brother Canada 9, and what a week, and what a season, what a cast. I, I just can't even, uh, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, this is, this is like the, this is what we've wanted so much from a Big Brother season in the last few years that we haven't really gotten, I think. Uh, this is just like peak Big Brother, I feel. What do you think, Chad? <laughs> yeah, I, I love an indecisive cast. This is this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I can't even count how many times the vote flipped last week. It's just awesome to see all the drama and mm -hmm. Victoria actually having a pretty decent HOH. I, I liked her little uh, trap she set up that uh, the Sunsetters totally fell for. Um, so I'm loving this. This is a, this is a great oh, yeah. week. No, we'll get to that. Uh, but first, uh, last week, uh, I famously said on the uh, Tuesday podcast that we did uh, that uh, you know we would be able to get all of the week two stuff out of the way on that podcast, and it would be pretty quiet Wednesday, Thursday. Josh would just get quietly evicted. There wouldn't be much to cover on this podcast from the end of last week. And uh, boy, oh boy, was I wrong about that. Uh, because... We get off of our uh, recording, and not even uh, like a few hours later, we start on Rohan Flip Part 2. We talked about Rohan Flip Part 1 that we saw in the uh, Wednesday night episode, uh, but uh, yeah, we get, we get another Part 2. Uh, before we get into that, though, we can just quickly go over the, uh, the Wednesday and Thursday episodes, uh, because they kind of cover pretty much everything up until... Josh starts to initiate this flip uh, that we then get a flashback to on the Monday episode. And then we can kind of get into some more details about what the uh, episodes kind of glossed over a little bit. Uh, so yeah, what does what uh, anything stand out from you from the Wednesday night episode? We had, uh, uh, you know, Kiefer uh, winning his uh, veto with the apple cart competition and taking himself off the block and Rohan being put up by Austin as a replacement. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a pretty decent episode for for Josh in a weird way. Like he was actually making pretty good points, whether it was by accident or on purpose. Mm -hmm. But um, to the point where, like the you know, the show even said like, "Hey, like we're thinking about this." Latoya was really pushing for it. Um, you could tell Tina was the one giving a lot of the backlash, which. At least we saw that in the episode. Mm -hmm. I know it was in the feeds a lot where Tina was kind of the driving opposing force to all this. Yeah. But, um, I mean, in the end, Josh, I think keeping Josh would have been the better move. But, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get I think, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I, th I think just Josh's actual points really stood out to me the most. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, Kiefer just slowly taking the fall for all this. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, we see on the Wednesday episode uh, the first set of flips that we kind of talked about uh, last week on the podcast, which uh, initiated uh, a conversation in the hot tub area uh, with the Sunsetters minus Tina. And then we saw a clip of the conversation with Latoya and Tina, where Tina was like, no, we're not doing this. And then from the episode's perspective, that kind of like winded down. Uh, this conversation and all of this actually took place prior to the veto ceremony, uh, whereas we actually see it in the episode 
after the veto ceremony and Rohan's confirmed on the block, uh, which is an interesting uh, decision. I think it, it makes sense to do that. Uh, you know, if there wasn't like an entire second set of flips that then would happen. Um, but yeah, uh, this kind of gets shut down pretty quickly. Um, we end up with Rohan on the block officially. Uh, they have uh, pretty much seemingly locked in that Josh is going to be the one to go home. And then we get uh, Josh starting to uh, sprinkle around his little plan that we had talked about. And then we get into the house meeting that we extensively covered on uh, on last uh, week's podcast. So we don't we won't go into too much detail. But what do you think about the uh, the episode's portrayal of the house meeting? I think they wrapped it up pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm like Josh like, really stood his ground. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was more impressed that he just did, didn't like break down or just walk away. Um, but no, I mean, he fought to the very end. Um, which was which was awesome. Like I mean, you can't you can't say anything bad about him other than obviously a Schultz game kind of sucks. But he hung in there. He he was swinging to the end. But um, the episode did a good job of really wrapping it up to basically the whole house saying like, "No, dude, you're gone. Sorry." But then like, well, he does have a point. Um, yep. And then so it's like they were just too scared scared to pull that trigger. I get why, but um. I mean, totally the wrong move for the Sunsetter uh, alliance there, but um, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, something that uh, to go off what you just said, uh, it was interesting to me that in the diary room, it seemed like Rohan was like, oh, this house meeting is great for me because it's solidifying yeah. that Josh is going to go home. But I feel like that should be the opposite because the, before the house meeting, the status quo was already Josh going home. So anything that can really, like, you know, cause some kind of explosion or cause some kind of uh, like reconfiguring of people's uh, priorities or reconfiguring of people's uh, like thought processes around uh, how they want to play the game. That's going to be bad for anybody who's already in a position to stay if things were to just like go smoothly, mm-hmm. right? So I, I just don't agree yeah. necessarily with uh, with uh, Rohan claiming that this house meeting is necessarily just a good thing especially given that he was a very big component in it like josh basically uh pointed the gun at austin and rohan specifically which makes yeah. sense uh what do you think do you think this uh do you, do you agree with rohan that this was a good thing or or what <laughs> no i mean you have people literally changing their minds with very valid points from josh from that whole meeting like honestly i feel like if the eviction was like maybe even like hours later they could have flipped back mm-hmm. um i think it was just a coin flip on timing at that point oh for sure but um i mean we all knew josh was likely gonna go but i feel like after that house meeting like his chances went from like 20 percent going i mean i'm staying to like 40 50 mm-hmm. um and Ro- rohan definitely perceived that the wrong way um anytime you have to catch more fire and answer more questions it's a bad thing in big brother yeah, no, definitely. Uh, anytime, like, if you're if you're in a good spot, anytime something unexpected happens, that's usually not going to be good for you. Like, anything unexpected happening is usually going to be either, like, do nothing or make your position worse. So, um, yeah, and then we get into uh, this, like, final 10-minute-ish, 5-minute-ish segment before the actual eviction vote. 
uh, where we get uh, Josh coming to, uh, I believe, Jed and Ty, and then also primarily him pitching to LaToya and Tina, and uh, Tara, I believe, was also in the room yeah. for that conversation, yeah. uh, basically saying, uh, these are the reasons you should keep me. You know, uh, you can use me as a pawn, uh, Rose a bigger target, uh, I'll target Austin, I won't come after you guys. Uh, all, you know, reasonable points that he had also uh, used in his house meeting, also had previously pitched to Jed before the uh, house meeting blow up, uh, when he like said, oh, Rose coming after you, Jed. Um, all of this actually came from Kiefer. This is something that the episode didn't really go into too much detail on because it didn't end up necessarily being super, uh, you know, necessary. Uh, there's blowups that happened this week, though, that kind of call back to it. So uh, I think it's important to, you know, have it for context that Kiefer uh, was the first one to really initiate the idea of putting uh, another second flip on the table. Uh, so he approaches Josh and he kind of like walks him through the people that he thinks that Josh should go and try to campaign to basically. Uh, and he kind of, when he tells this to the rest of the Sunsetters later, uh, doesn't, isn't like completely honest in how this conversation goes, uh, where Kiefer represents it to the Sunsetters that Josh gives him these names and like Kiefer kind of just like leads the horse to water. Uh, but Kiefer basically tells him, you have to go talk to Jed, Ty, and Latoya, and you have to go talk to uh, Tina and Tara. And then obviously Kiefer himself as a sixth vote. Um, and so that's really the reason why Josh went to these specific people and made this specific pitch, was because this is what Kiefer basically told him to do. Uh, the episode kind of makes Josh seem like he's like the mastermind of this situation. And Josh definitely did a lot of like correct things to give himself these outs. Uh, but this specific plan was put into effect by Kiefer. Came close. Yep. And I guess that explains why uh, Kiefer and Roe aren't getting along, too. Yeah, it's one, one of many reasons <laughs> we'll see uh, in, the, in the coming, in the, like, the past week, as to why Kiefer's relationship with Roe and Kyle has severely deteriorated. Um, so after Josh makes this pitch, we kind of get like a cliffhanger into the eviction. Um, and eventually we'll get the flashback on the Monday episode that kind of pieces some of it together uh, from the the last uh, the last ditch flip that happened right before the eviction. But there was previous conversation that happened the day before uh, where Latoya uh, was uh, correctly, as, as the episode described, the one leading the charge uh, alongside Kiefer as the person who says, it is definitely correct for us to make this flip. We need to make this happen. The issue, as the episode on Monday uh, points out, is that Kiefer and Beth are, at this point, openly playing both sides. Kiefer is playing both sides with Kyle and Roe, and Beth is playing both sides with Austin Brayton. So it's very difficult for them to make this flip happen without exposing that Kiefer and Beth are basically with the Sunsetters. So if, it, if this is you, Chad, what do you, what do you do? How do you make this flip happen? Because I think that we're on the same page they, at the point, especially late into Wednesday and into Thursday, where they've had so many of these conversations and they're like kind of waffling back and forth, like you've already like painted yourself in a corner. You have to pull the trigger, right? If I'm Josh, you mean? If, no, if you're like, any of the Sunsetters, really. Like, how do you pull this off? 
because obviously like they're they've 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 kind of uh, done too much at this point right where they've had these conversations where if they don't pull the trigger what's going to happen is what we see happen which is the, the alliance falls yeah. apart <laughs> i mean the obvious and best move would be to flip and vote out rohan because mm-hmm. he's he's openly I mean, I don't know if he's directly said it to him, but he's very clearly targeting most of the Sunsetter Alliance. Mm-hmm. And he's someone who, he also has Kyle, and that's two people already who would flip against them. Um, and I'm sure the right conversations could happen where Kiefer flips, and now they're down five against three, and then you still have the other half of the house who would probably tag along in that flip. Um, I think Jed and Ty would be in a lot of trouble. I think Beth probably in a lot of trouble for that mm-hmm. um Kiefer likely it depends how he played it but I feel like he could take some heat too um if not most of the heat but um I think the Sunsetters should have pulled the trigger I think they should have just convinced Tina um to stick with the vote because they're going to get exposed for this mm-hmm. um because at this point like I mean in this HOH like all the targets are pretty much the sunsetters so they're all but outed by name um so i don't i would just try to convince tina i think that's the play yeah no i definitely agree the thing you mentioned i think is not really something that they even considered to any like reasonable degree uh when they were like counting up votes was that they could just like get everybody in the house on board except for potentially kyle like it, they they did this they put the work they like started putting the pieces in place for this during the first set of flips that happened uh sunday monday ish um where they had beth go talk to austin they had jen ty go talk to austin and like austin was somewhat open to the idea of the vote flipping like she wasn't like vocally against it in any like serious way i do think that if they had all agreed as the sunsetters like those six of them that we need to find a way to flip this vote like this is the correct thing to do we need to make this uh, work like no matter like no matter how we do it it has to be done so what's the best way yeah. to do it because they spent so much time waffling about whether it was correct and for each person individual person in the alliance whether it was correct and then trying to exert their will over whether the flip should happen or not happen they needed to all get together say are we doing this or are we not doing this and then once they decide that they are doing it they have to decide the best way to go about it so what they did was focus all of their effort and all of their like gameplay and focus and attention on deciding whether or not the flip was correct and they completely uh avoided the subject of like what's the best way to actually go about this from a practical sense and they completely flubbed it they did like all of the worst possible things they, they had conversations with Victoria that got exposed almost immediately because Victoria ran back to Kyle and Roe, which is why Kyle and Roe were upset with Kiefer because they heard things from Victoria before they heard things from Kiefer. And uh, then all of this started like basically getting out and like everybody knew that a flip was in the works and like bubbling. And instead of like being like, okay, now everybody knows, so we have to do it. They were like, oh, now everybody knows, so let's put a lid on it and forget it ever happened and pretend like it never was a thing, which is just completely, completely wrong. It's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it would have made perfect sense to go for it. It would have been an actually pretty good move because, I mean, yeah. 
Josh was dead on of what he would be in that house is he mm-hmm. would be a block pawn every single week, no matter what. Um, he's someone that you could just put up, not care about, as one less person in the veto you got to worry about. Um, and opens the door for back doors. Um, it gives the other side of the house less numbers, unless Josh obviously sides with them. But like as a sunsetters, you could probably pull Josh honestly, be like, hey, we're keeping you safe, but like you're gonna be our pawn. He's wacky enough to go with them. So like, it would have just made so much sense knowing. Rohan was actively against you and knows that you're trying to flip him um, then keep it just would have made so much sense to do it like I kind of anticipated they wouldn't but like it's almost like come on you gotta do it like why not yeah no definitely nothing nothing to lose and everything to gain no yeah especially you avoid avoid heat they avoid all that heat too because now they gotta answer up to it rather than if everyone did it no one, no one's questioning because oh, the whole house did it. But now it's like, well, why did these six, you know, five or six people want to do it, but then no one did it, and now they're pretty much exposed to working together. Yeah, no, exactly. You said like there's nothing to lose, but there is things to lose. But the issue is by like executing, like poorly executing the non-flip in the way they did, they've already lost all of the things they would have lost by just flipping it. Exactly. So they get exactly. all of the bad things of the flip and none of the good things. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's really, really bad. Uh, definitely, uh, like the gameplay by the Sunsetter is completely, completely deserved to be in the spot they're in right now. Um, oh, yeah. So let's just quickly go over. Uh, so we see in the Monday night episode at the very start. Uh, this is something that we'd heard about on the feeds, but because obviously the feeds were down during this like time right before the eviction, so we didn't actually see this happen. Um, but we had heard that there was another potential last-minute flip that LaToya was trying to pull off moments, literally moments before the eviction, that like Kiefer was finding out about which way the votes were going as the votes were happening, and he was sitting on the couch. Like, this is how last-minute this was. <laughs> Um, I know. You can literally hear the eviction starts yeah. in five minutes. Yep. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> and Latoya and Jed and Ty are just sitting up on the couches together, and Latoya just like looks at them and says, "All right, we're gonna flip this." <laughs> and then she starts. <laughs> she, does, she does her Latoya special, which is uh, what she did apparently because we obviously didn't see this either. The feeds were off, for, or the feeds had not turned on yet for this. But apparently, this yep. is similar to what she did for the first eviction where she flipped the vote from Josh onto Julie, like, the last day, basically, where she was just pulling people into, uh, in that case, the bathroom, and in this case, the OLG room, like, one by one, and saying, hey, we're going to do the flip, all right? And basically trying to strong-arm him into voting the way she wants. And you could see on people like Tina's face, on people like Tara's face, and then, like, especially Victoria, who was very, like, outspokenly saying, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that this yeah. this was just not going to work especially with them trying again for some reason after things had already been exposed to a point to keep Beth and Kiefer like clean from the vote it's just they they have the votes that all like if all six sunsetters just vote together they could just vote yeah. they could vote whoever they want out but they're putting all of these unnecessarily like complicated restrictions to try to keep together a structure that's already falling apart. Yeah, it's 
again, if they had more time, maybe, but like, mm-hmm. no. Now you're exposed. Now you're all in trouble, as we see this week. Yeah, no, for sure. I thought the episode also did a very good job of, you know, showing this. Obviously, this is not something I have any context for about whether it was, like, edited well because I didn't see it on the feeds. But it, right. the, the story that they told in the first, like, five to ten minutes of the Monday episode I thought was pretty good. Uh, yeah. And the Monday episode in general was leagues better than the Monday episode from the week before <laughs> that I was whining oh, about. Oh, man. Um, much, much better. Yeah. Um... So yeah, the flip fails, Latoya gives up, and they all vote out Josh, but he was close. He was way closer than he probably yeah. even knows that he, like, he, prob- he was probably walking out the door saying, oh yeah, I had no shot, and not knowing that there were, there were like three or four, like, solid times during the, like, couple of days leading up to the eviction, where if they had just held a vote then, he probably would have stayed. Um... Which is crazy, because I said on the last podcast, Josh 100% is going home, and that was not the case. It was, like, very close to 50-50. It, it was close. Mm-hmm. It was very... I mean, good for Josh. I mean, I don't think yeah. he's an all-star or a comeback player kind of thing, but, um, I mean, maybe. That was a really strong effort. Stronger than a lot of, like, flip votes that I've seen in recent Big Brother years. It's the closest one I've seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, we've had... <laughs> we've had... Uh, two evictions so far and both of them have been like crazy flips back and forth last minute flips like you know just wildness um and you know maybe we'll go three for three who knows with this cast we'll probably go freaking 12 or 14 at this point yeah um so yeah that's you know wrapping up josh's saga uh we had the flashback uh i kind of put a little bit of a bow on this wild week two that we've now spent like 15 minutes talking about when I expected at the uh, this time last week we'd probably spend maybe three minutes talking about it, but this cast has different uh, <laughs> different uh, you know something else coming for us basically, um, and then we get into our second HOH comp of the season, which is something that we previewed a little bit. We basically saw the first half of it on Thursday night, and then we saw the second half of it on uh, on Monday night. And it's an elimination-style memory attention to detail comp. Uh, pretty classic Big Brother-style competition. Mm. Um, and we get down to our final three competitors, Victoria, Kiefer, and Latoya. Very ironic, given the way that this is going to end up playing out. Poetic. Yeah, very poetic. It's it's you literally, <laughs> literally this season is so insane that I don't even think that people would believe it if it was scripted. Um, I don't think it's on purpose. <laughs> I, I mean, this is this is like this is this is just like you know, Big Brother, right? This is like why Big Brother can be so great. Where and yeah. like all you really need for such like because again something we didn't really talk about the team twist is over. Uh, which is phenomenal. Like, thank you. Thank you, Big Brother Production, for ending the team twist. I don't know if this was planned ahead of time or if they kind of, like, read the room a little bit and, like, put, put their yeah. put their finger to the wind and were like, hmm, maybe we should just get rid of this. <laughs> um, but either way, I'm glad it's gone because uh, otherwise this week would have not been as exciting for sure. Um, and this is kind of what we see from a Big Brother season where you just have a great cast and that's really all you need. You don't need, like, everything else is just window dressing. You just, as long as you have, like, a, a great cast that are self-interested 
in there, like, kind of, like, unhinged a little bit. This is what you get. Yeah. Uh, and we see our second HOH-crowned Vic. Victoria, Spicy V, comes out on top. A little bit of a comp beast here. She's, she's yeah. kind of won two competitions if you include her winning the team competition. I, I would. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Not, I did not see this coming. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I've, you know, no, no, you know, shade to Victoria because you know, I love Victoria from what I've seen so far. But um, yeah, did fun. not see this. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Tough. Yeah, and she didn't. She technically answered a question, which is more than Christmas can say on her two times playing this competition. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she did not win this by default totally. She answered the last question against Kiefer correctly. She locked it in. Um, and yeah, we get immediately a lot of really interesting conversations coming from Victoria. Um, she uh, talks first. Uh, well, I mean, uh, well, who, which conversation do you want to go over first? Because there's, there's so many and they're all so bizarre and interesting on their own. I mean, I think the Latoya one kind of sets up the rest of them. Yeah, I agree. I think that Latoya one is probably where we should start. Uh, so Latoya comes up to Victoria, and they have a conversation. Uh, and kind of, like, looming in the background of this conversation is something that... I'm not sure how much the episode really touched upon this, but Victoria had previously come up to uh, Jedtai and Latoya and offered them... Uh, a four-person alliance uh, and like saying that she wants to work with them uh, as like a foursome and this would this was after the Sunsetters that are already formed obviously so Latoya, Jed, and Ty kind of blow her off on this they don't really get back to her and they uh, you know like Latoya will eventually have a conversation with her in the hot tub area uh, like kind of like setting the seeds for like oh maybe we'll be potentially interested in working together in the future maybe maybe not like not really being committal about it so that's kind of like looming over this whole conversation that latoya comes up here uh and has with uh, victoria and she's immediately like you know what victoria you know i'm not gonna kiss your ass you know that's not what you want uh and uh uh and um you know i said i would look out for you i hope that you look out for me you know it's like a it's like a business meeting with Latoya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were your thoughts on this conversation? <laughs> I mean, it, it's again, it shows how just bad at confrontation Latoya is. Um, she's she's just so like, she's too much like I'm not I'm not a bullshitter, but she's like taking that to too much of an extreme. Yeah. Like, I get it in reality in your in her specific career you can do that, but probably not in big brother where like the social game is everything like, you have no power over that person especially given that victoria's hoh um like she should have i mean i'm not saying like literally like suck up and kiss her ass but like i mean don't like just be like hey i'm not gonna kiss your butt or anything but um just don't put me up like that's pretty, pretty much what she said mm-hmm. and then victoria i think had a really good move in planting that seed just to see like where she would hear it from, figure out who she's working with. I mean, like classic Big Brother move. Um, so, and it actually worked pretty well and exposed 
all of the Sunsetters, um, which, I mean, and that's why this conversation just led to everything, um, because Latoya just opened her mouth, as always. Yeah, no, I do think that that was a little bit overplayed on the episode. It's a very, it's a very a fun little. story, uh, but I think the Sunsetters were mostly exposed at this point. I think Beth was mostly exposed yeah. at this point, uh, and it's kind of like lucky that this specific piece of information kind of like found its way back. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't want to like take away from Victoria because you know I, I do think that you know we'll get into some of the mistakes that I think she's made in her execution. Uh, during this week, okay. but I think that from like a practical standpoint, like her her individual like game decisions, I think ha- are are solid. Uh, yeah. But she's just not done a great job at executing them. Um, right. But uh, yeah, so we have Latoya uh, thinking that she's done a good job of talking to Vic and feeling like she probably is not going to go up in the block. We think uh, that the Sunsetters think that. The likely noms are Kiefer and Tara at this point, uh, but we see as Latoya is leaving the room, Victoria like basically like makes a face at the camera like like ooh what was that like <laughs> that's not the kind of face you want somebody making when you leave a room after having an important game conversation with them. Is that when she said this is awkward? Yeah, this is awkward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so. Uh, Latoya goes back to the Sunsetters, specifically Jed, Beth, and Ty, and gives them this information uh, that uh, Victoria, oh, Victoria might put up Brayden, oh, she might, you know, this is also when they're like, oh, maybe we can get her to put up Kyle, or, you know, at the very least, we could potentially get her to put up Tara. The Sunsetters, at this point, are just, like, scrambling to find any name that's not one of them to make sure that they don't have two Sunsetters in the block at the end of the week. Uh, and seeing, like, basically throwing anything they can at the wall to make it stick. Um, and then uh, this kind of parlays into, I would say, the next important conversation that the episode shows, which is the first conversation that Jed and Ty have with Victoria. And uh, this did not really come off like a very productive conversation for what Jed and Ty were hopeful, hoping for and looking for. What do you think about this one? <laughs> I mean, I might be mixing up with the post-veto conversation, but I mean, they they were basically trying to steer her away from putting up Latoya as much as they possibly could. Yeah. Like, Latoya's not coming for you at all. If she was in your position, she wouldn't do it. It's like, okay, but I already know all the stuff about her, and she literally has, like, proof of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, of all the seeds that she planted coming back to her. So, Mm -hmm. like, they got nowhere. Um, all anything they said were, it was not going through Vic's um, head so it was one ear not the other so nothing got done there they, yeah. they were exposed already yeah exactly I think this kind of like there's kind of a bigger picture here that like kind of is laid over this entire week which is that what Victoria is putting forward as her reasoning as her uh, like game thoughts as her uh, ideas of the relationship she has, especially to the people in the Sunsetters, is inauthentic. It's not her actual like feelings. Her yeah. the things that she's saying are basically just invented excuses to cover up for the actual feelings and game decisions she's 
she has and she's making. Uh, and we'll see this especially in spades in the conversation that you mentioned uh, yeah. <laughs> post-veto comp with Jed and Tai, uh, where she has just basically fabricated a complete uh, like storyline of why she's doing certain things and of what she wants and how she sees herself in the game. And I think that's really why none of these conversations are going anywhere and they're all just kind of like, like, you know, Jed and Tai and LaToya like hitting up against a brick wall. It's because they're trying to argue against like basically uh, like a straw man of what Victoria is putting forward as her positions. But that's just like a facade over her actual positions. Right. Um, yeah, and so... On top of all of this Latoya stuff, all this Jed and Ty stuff, all this Beth exposed party stuff, where Beth has uh, completely trashed her relationship with Brayden and Austin to the point where they just yeah. they don't even like barely like her as a person anymore. Never mind, want to work with her in the game. Uh, we have Kiefer's game falling apart at the seams, and we see the start of this during the uh, flashback to the vote flip before the eviction, uh, where. You know, Roe and Kyle become pretty uh, well aware that this vote might be flipping on them. And they had previously known that Kiefer had been involved in these talks from the day before because Victoria had told them that. And now they're seeing uh, Kiefer get pulled into rooms where it's clear that he's being told that the vote could be flipping. And given that they were supposed to have a working game relationship, uh, it's clear for Kyle and Ro at least that Kiefer is playing them. It had already been clear at this point. Now it's crystal clear. Um, yeah. And so we see Kiefer make a decision uh, right after the uh, eviction to go into the ball pit with Kyle and let him know that this flip was actually orchestrated by none other than Victoria. <laughs> What a what a move! What a what a move by by Kiefer. Definitely reading the situation uh, very well, reading his position perfectly, really understanding the relationship he has with Kyle at this point. <laughs> man, oh man! What do you think of this? <laughs> I mean, he's caught red-handed playing both sides and pretty much admitting I'm taking the other side, but like. Please don't hate me, as Josh would say, mm-hmm. um, to the to um, Kyle and Roe. So it's like, and then blaming Victoria when they're working pretty close together. It's just like, dude, he's just pulling at straws. He's already been caught. Like that relationship, any potential for an alliance is gone. Um, the episode said it, and you know that conversation with Roe. I'm not sure when it happened, where you know he's basically like, "You're dead to me." Um, like no, Kiefer's game is totally exposed, and I mean, I'm sure Latoya goes home, but who knows? It's, it's this house. Who knows? Yeah, no, it could go either way for sure. <laughs> um, we'll kind of like get into where the votes lie after we get the through the veto stuff. But yeah, Kiefer, even if he survives this week, is not looking good as far yeah. as longevity in this game. As far as like even just win equity, even if he gets dragged to the end because people don't like find him as a social threat anymore uh yeah he just i don't i don't think he can win the season at this point (laughs) like he's just completely trashed himself like uh, almost irreparably um because we see kyle immediately run and tell uh austin 
uh, row, and then eventually Victoria comes in and he tells Victoria, hey, Kiefer basically threw you under the bus and said you were responsible for the flip almost happening. And Vic's like, no, Latoya is responsible for the flip almost happening. I stopped the flip, which is mostly correct. Yeah. Um, and definitely going to pay off in spades with Victoria winning this HOH and, uh, and posturing at least to the Sunsetters that Kiefer is her target. Uh, we, the audience, know and her you know, allies know that Latoya is actually the target. But this provides her great cover to put Kiefer on the block and to claim that he's mm. her target. Um, mm. Yeah, just uh, a lot, a lot of really bad gameplay uh, mm. in this season, but really like messy, entertaining gameplay. So I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get into uh, let's get into the post veto stuff. This is the meat of the, the uh, week so far. Um, we have our veto draw. Uh, the people playing in the veto besides uh, Kiefer and Latoya, because BB Can has, uh, in the last few seasons, not allowed the HOH to play in the veto. Just as a reminder, this is a, still the second week, so it's, it's it's still kind of a transitional period. Uh, so Kiefer and Latoya will play in the veto alongside Jed, Ty, and Austin, which is a pretty good draw for the Sunsetters. They have four out of yeah. their six people in there. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. So you'd think if there was a chance for them to get a non-sunsetter out this week, this is probably it. Um, and we end up with uh, Jed winning the veto, which is also probably one of the better outcomes in terms of like potentially making something work or happen. Uh, and we come back, the feeds come back from after the veto ceremony, and Victoria is talking with her new alliance crew, which is the Oddballs, uh, which is her, Austin, Brayden, Kyle and Roe, and then like Tina and okay. Tara are kind of like a six seventh in the oddballs. Because um, okay. Tina, Tina and Tara at this point are basically like a duo in the middle of these two fives. Like there's two groups of fives. There's a Sunsetters minus Tina because Tina has basically, uh, basically jumped ship on that trash heap of an alliance, and 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 uh, and is now playing the middle pretty openly with Tara. And then there's this like other five which is the Carb Alliance, which is Kyle, Austin, Roe, Brayden, plus Victoria as the Oddballs. So those five, as the Oddballs, are in the kitchen right after the veto comp talking. And Victoria is like, I'm going to... I don't want, them to, I don't want the veto to be used. I'm going to tell Jed that if he uses the veto, I'm going to put up Ty. I think that'll scare him to not using it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and... She says this, and I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be insane. They're going to freak out. This conversation is going to be amazing. Uh, they don't have the conversation that night, unfortunately. We have to wait until the next morning. Uh, but pretty early on in the morning, uh, this is uh, Sunday morning, which is the uh, day after the veto comp. This is also the day of the veto ceremony, because they pushed the veto ceremony up from Monday to Sunday for some reason. Uh Vic pulls Ty and Jed into her HOH room, and she sits them down for one of the most bizarre conversations I've ever seen in Big Brother, <laughs> where she has... Okay, this is, this is going to be complicated, because I don't know how this is going to be portrayed on the Wednesday or Thursday episode. This, is probably, this will probably be on the Wednesday episode, I imagine, because uh, that's yeah. the veto episode. 
I don't know how they're going to portray this because there's so much, there's so many things that Victoria is saying that are just patently untrue or like like not uh, like a an actual representation of her thoughts that it's going to be difficult for the show to actually like tell the story in a cogent way that's like accurate. So let's just get all of the facts on the table. Victoria wants a Toya gun. Jed and Ty and the Sunsetters think that she wants Kiefer gone and are operating under that assumption. Um, Victoria is talking about how she's afraid that Latoya will flip the vote. This is not really anything she's like she cares about in real uh, like in reality. She's just using this as an excuse because she fi- uh, has been found personally slighted by Latoya. She sees Latoya as uh, a threat to her game, and this is just like a convenient excuse to put her on the block and also to uh, argue that she should be left on the block because if she comes off the block, she's liable to flip the vote against what Victoria seemingly wants. Um, those are those are like the two like big things that are being misrepresented to Jed and Ty, which is why, again, they're going to run up against a brick wall trying to argue with her because they're not arguing with facts. They're arguing with a facade. Um, so she breaks the news to them. Uh, this is especially jarring for them because she had previously swore on her dead foster mother's life or dead foster mother's grave and her boyfriend's life that she would never put them up this week. And in fact, separately, that if either of them won the veto, they could do whatever they want with it. And she would even allow them a say in who the replacement nominee would be. So given that that was the last conversation that, that she had had with them, her bringing them into the HOH room and being like, all right, Jed, uh, so if you use the veto on Latoya, I know you want to do that. If you do that, I think that I'm going to have to put up Ty in order to get my target out, because otherwise I feel like Latoya will flip the vote on anybody else but Ty. I know she won't flip the vote on Ty, so he's the person I would have to uh, put up. Obviously, this is not the reason, as I just said, that uh, she's saying that she would put up Ty. She is specifically saying that she would put up Ty as a direct threat to Jed, and he reads this as a direct threat. Like, you're going to not use the veto, otherwise I'm going to put up your best friend, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, what did you think about this? I, I know you like at least watched some of this conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched, I watched like the first 10 minutes of it. Um, Hell the yeah, point it where goes on. Like, firing firing back at her mm-hmm. being like oh well you're literally opening threatening us why would we work with you mm-hmm. um so it was definitely an awkward conversation and i didn't realize that it happened like the previous conversation being her like swearing on you know her dead foster parents and then her current boyfriend i mean it's big brother mm-hmm. but like <clears throat> I mean, it, it, I guess it depends on the person and the cast as a whole, whether you make those kind of, you know, promises or swearing on people. I mean, we saw that whole thing with um, Kiefer having so much struggle with that um, to the point he said, I'm not going to do it. And then mm-hmm. him leading to his, like, almost breakdown. But um, <clears throat> seeing as, like, that's a back-to-back conversation with them, I think that's a pretty big mistake on Victoria's part to do that, like... I don't know, but um, no, that was definitely an awkward conversation where she's basically like putting her cards on the table, but as a facade to just not to try to like keep Jed from doing it, 
but I mean, I didn't know about the eyeballs yet. Mm-hmm. So like she has the numbers to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they do use it like on the Toya, like why would it be bad for her to get Tayo? I mean, all it's going to do is like, like honestly, it's a win-win no matter what happens. Obviously the Toya going is fine, but um, I don't see like her losing this week regardless of if the video is used or not. No, definitely. I think that it's like, I think that, you know, after the veto ceremony plays out uh, and Jed doesn't use it, she then goes up to Jed and Ty and is like, oh, I wouldn't have actually put Ty up. That was a bluff. <laughs> I, think this is, I, I think this is just her, like, being messy and, like, trying to, like, you know, messy. like, just trying to, like, you know, make them, like, feel some kind of way. I don't know why she would want to do that. And I also don't think it's true. I think she would have put Ty up if he had used the veto. So it's just, like, doubly bad. Um, but yeah, as far as this conversation goes, like you, you mentioned also something that um, that uh, Ty uh, said that I had not mentioned, which is that even on top of all of this, there's also this additional facade of like Victoria pretending like she's still interested in working with the three of them, right? She's like, oh yeah, when Kiefer gets out, like I'm, st- I still want to work with you, uh, you two, and Toya. Like, that's still something that she's... She's pretending to still be interested in that. And even as recently as this morning, because the Sunsetters are still not sure whether or not Victoria is playing them. Like, they've talked about it being, like, oh, wouldn't it be crazy if Victoria's been playing us this whole time and she actually wants LaToya out and LaToya goes and we get blindsided on the eviction. Ah, no, that's not going to happen. Like, they've brought it up as a possibility. But even as, as recently as this morning, a conversation between Beth, Ty, and Jed where they're talking about, like, the idea of still bringing Victoria in as a number. So, like, even after all of this, like, there's still, like, like, she still is able to maintain, like, this these, like, crumbs of, like, making yeah. them feel... Like, after the eviction happens and Latoya goes, that's going to be completely off the table for sure. Oh, yeah, it's over. But at this point, there's, like, even all of the... After all of the things she's done to Ty and Jed this week, and needling them, and threatening them, and... Like basically, like you know, lying on her uh, her family and like just like putting them in this like terrible position, um, and then on top of that, she's going to be blindsiding them and like uh, basically revealing that the entire thing that she's told them, like basically everything that she's that's come out of her mouth this week, has been a lie to them. Um, like once that's there, it's over. But even even with all of the stuff that's out right now. Jed and Ty are still, like, contemplating if they can work with her or not, which is bizarre to me. And she kind of, like, kind of shows where, like, Jed and, like, how much in a hole Jed and Ty especially are uh, after, like, these last two weeks. Yeah, I think they're in pretty big trouble. I mean, I mean, obviously it, it shows, one, that Jed and Ty are more loyal to each other than they are the Sunsetters as a whole, which mm-hmm. obviously makes sense. Two, it shows just how good of a like a facade that Victoria's put up to the point where they still think it's an option. That's just insane to me. Like you if you're making threats like that, like I will put you up if Jed uses the veto. It's like I, that's not someone you can work with. I'm sorry. Like read between the lines a little there. But like yeah, once this boat goes through and she gets what she wants, hopefully, with Latoya going home, it's just going to be, like, 
they're going to be it's like it's going to be a war it's going to be two sides of the house fighting mm-hmm. um which but the sunsetters is, is going to slowly lose that battle week by week i think they're going to be put to sleep themselves so yeah they're going to be I sent mean, out unless, to the sunset yeah exactly like there's no there's no way i mean it's going to be what 8v 3v3 at this point uh it depends it depends where like because kiefer is like probably still going to end up with them so it's probably going to be something more like 7v4 um yeah but in terms of like the hoh potentially for next week it'll be 6v4 because victoria will be setting out um so yeah no definitely like ty jet and beth are like deep deep in a hole right now um especially if uh, uh latoya does go home which is what it looks like is happening um yeah, so briefly, not, really not doing well. <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely not looking good for either of our winner picks at this point, uh, or Brian's at that, oh, no. in that for that matter. <laughs> like we, they went from they went from riding high to like bottom of the barrel in four days, oh, four days Wait, flat. No, that's Big Brother though. It's gonna. Change. Oh yeah, no, that this is like this is the best. This is the best. So Ty's gonna win Hoh next week, and we'll be fine. Just watch. I mean, we'll see. I we'll get yeah. to that. We'll get to what Ty and Jet are planning for next week. Um, but you're ahead of me. This is all stuff I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is stuff from the last like day <laughs> or two. Um, but yeah, let's just first briefly go over uh, the further collapse of Kiefer's relationships. Uh, we touched on it from the pre-HOH, um, but even uh, post-HOH, we have. Uh, before the nomination ceremony, um, there was kind of a uh, miscommunication. So, like, like Latoya and Kiefer eventually are going to find out, uh, like, shortly before the nomination ceremony, that they're going to end up on the block together, right? So they're having a conversation, uh, basically, you know, trying to console each other and saying, oh, the, well, at least there's going to be the veto and, like, making jokes and stuff. Rohan walks mm-hmm. in while they're, like, joking and he misconstrues something they're saying as like implying that they're going to have a house meeting or they're going to call a house meeting and start exposing stuff. So oh, after the nominations come through, um, Kiefer is going to go into the pantry to start to, uh, to cook uh, stir fry for Latoya and himself. And uh, he like uh, asked Latoya, you know, are you ready to go? Uh, as far as like him making the stir fry for her. And uh, Rohan overhears this and assumes that he is imp- <laughs> trying to start or planning on about to start this house meeting where he's presumably going to expose a lot of stuff and throw Rohan and Kyle under the bus in, in like oh, Rose's head in the way he's invented this. And so him and Kyle go into the storage room. Kiefer is in there. Tara and Tina are in there. And they just start going in on Kiefer and like... This this is basically like a pretext for them, like going in on Kiefer for basically snaking them, right? Like yeah. he was basically like a rat floater for the uh, Sunsetters for the first week or two of the game, where he mm-hmm. was like playing Rowan Kyle uh, as a fiddle and like making them like feel stupid, trying to be an organizer of this flip behind their back, and Rowan Kyle find out all about this. And like know that Kiefer is like a, a liar and like completely untrustworthy to them, and they just want they want to like get their frustration out, right? And so they're using this yeah. miscommunication as an opportunity to just like 
start like going after Kiefer. Like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? You know, like, uh, uh, what, what's your, what's your plan here? Like, you know, uh, and Kiefer's just like, hey, you know, what? that's Big Brother. You know, that's just how it goes. And like, why did you do that to us? You know, like, yeah, I'm just, just, that's, you know, that's how Big Brother goes some of these times. You know, that's, <laughs> and he's just giving them, he's just giving them nothing. Like, they're just, like, basically putting on this, like, interrogation about, like, all of the lies he's told and what he's done to them. And he's just giving them nothing in return. And Tara and Tina are just sitting in the corner, just, like, watching this, like, a tennis match go back and forth. And then eventually LaToya comes in, and she tries to stand up for Kiefer. And she comes after Kyle and Roe and is like, you guys are actually liars. You guys are the snakes, etc., etc. You guys are the bullies. You guys are, like, you know, uh, coming after... uh, you know, Kiefer, and, you know, he just got put up on the block. This is, you know, this is not necessary. And you know, Rose like, well, I just almost went home. You know, I, yeah. And, like, I could easily have ended up on the block this week if things went differently. Um, and it kind of escalates a little bit. The feed's cut. Uh, it comes back, and we kind of, everything's kind of stabilized. And there's a lot of retellings. Roe and Kyle go and apologize. They do, like, an apology tour. Um, but yeah, no, Kiefer's relationships with basically everybody in the house at this point, uh, except for like the remaining Sunsetters, uh, is just dead on arrival. No, that's sad. (laughs) That's so sad. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you see, I mean, I guess that's what happens. Like if you get caught playing both sides, more than likely both sides are not going to like you. Mm -hmm. So now, I mean, he's either going to... I don't know. Like, what, what do you do with him if you're the Sunsetters? Like, do you just keep him along for the ride as a number at that point? What do you do if you're the Oddballs? Like, well, the Sunsetters definitely need, need them. Like, uh, yeah, he, Sunsetters need him. He is still relatively close also to Tina and Tara. Tina and Tara are upset that Kiefer and Latoya are on the block because their ideal block is that four. Uh, Tina, Tara, Kiefer, and Latoya. And then maybe bringing in somebody like a, a Brayden or an Austin... Uh, just like pad numbers like that's kind of the ideal yeah. structure that Tina and Tara would look for so I think that he can still kind of fall in with them um, potentially sure. but yeah just in terms of him making any kind of meaningful progress in the game going forward it's going to be like a major major uphill battle like beyond even what the non-sunsetters were looking at last week it's going to require a lot of people beside, like, like he can't do it on his own. It's going to require a lot of other people making a lot of mistakes, yeah. which with this cast is possible, but it's certainly not. Like, he's going to have to basically play, like, perfectly from here on out to even have a chance. Yeah. All right. I mean, there's a shot, but I don't, I don't know. I think yeah. he has to find his way into power. I think he has to mm-hmm. mend some relationships. I yeah. think he has to hone in with Tina and Tara at this point um, but yeah like you said it's I'd be very impressed if he makes it to like even final five yeah no I seven. yeah I agree I think that I it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill battle for him to even just make jury I think at this point um, yeah. but oh I mean there's only gonna be like, assuming he survives this week I think there's, there's two more evictions before jury so yeah maybe he can survive if other people are taking shots yeah. at bigger threats um, so, yeah, but not looking good as, as far as his long-term uh, possibilities no. in the game. All right, let's just quickly go over, like, where the house sits after all of this chaos and 
where are the like guns being pointed for next week? Um, so as I mentioned earlier in the week or early in the podcast, there's this kind of stabilized into a situation where we have the oddballs on one side and mm-hmm. the remnants of the sunsetters on the other side. And the remnants of the sunsetters at this point are going to be assuming Latoya gets evicted, uh, Jed, Beth, and Ty, and then Kiefer kind of as a fourth, and then. Those four are trying, or had been trying up until recently, to court uh, Tara and Tina as, like, the fifth and sixth. They're like, you know, whichever one of us between Kiefer and Latoya goes home, we'll just try to bring in Tara as a sixth and replace them, and we'll still have the members. That's been the mantra up until recently. Uh, And then on the other side, you have the Oddball Alliance, which is Kyle Ross and Brayden Victoria, plus Tara and Tina as kind of a sixth and seventh. And so you can see it's kind of these two sides, and Tara and Tina are in the middle as this like swing pair, and they basically are going to dictate not only how this eviction goes, because they're the swing votes for this eviction, but also what kind of transpires in the coming weeks. Uh, however, this kind of positioning, at the very least to people like Jed and Ty, is pretty transparent, right? Tina and Tara aren't really hiding the fact that they're playing the middle and like not like openly choosing a side. Um, and like especially for uh, given that Tina was like previously a member of the Sunsetters, this is not something that Jed and Ty like. So last night into this morning, they've started discussing the idea of what if we go to Roe and Kyle we potentially expose the Sunsetters and the fact that Tina was a part of it from the start. And we make a truce with them that if any of the four of us win HOH, instead of targeting each other, which is like the obvious play, right? That if I, either of these two pairs wins, the other pair is just going to go up in the block. We make a truce that if either any of the four of us win, we instead go after Tina and Tara. <laughs> This is this is uh, this is a master plan from how, for how Jed and Ty think they're going to dig out of the situation. What do you think of that? I think it's freaking terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, perfect. I mean, perfect scenario. What does that do? It buys them two weeks, and then it's just the same size of warring together, unless they manage to scrunch up an alliance and pull some from the oddballs. I. That's so stupid. Like. There are so many options for them to put up. Yeah. Like, regardless of, even if, like, oh man, there's no way that, that they can win that. Like, all the oddball has to do is literally say no, and there's nothing they can do about it. Even if Jed wins an HOH, like, like sure, like, maybe he could get one of them out, but, like, I I, that's such a stupid idea. Like, you're just buying two weeks at that point. You're buying two weeks uh, as a best case scenario. <laughs> as a best case scenario. That's if that's if Rowan Kyle actually stick to the deal, right? And, oh yeah. Uh, because that this just is screams backdoor to me. Like that screams yeah. a backdoor plan. This is this is not you know this is not the first time on Big Brother where we've had two warring factions and. There is like a proposal put out there of like, hey, there's people here floating in the middle, and we're aware that they're kind of like floating in the middle and not going to get targeted because they're floating in the middle mm-hmm. and they're not really openly a threat and not really like mm-hmm. the like leader of a side. 
why don't we all come together and say, hey, let's get rid of these middle people. And pretty much to, to a T, every single time that somebody has made this proposal, they have gotten completely screwed by it. <laughs> like, this is why floating on Big Brother is such a dominant strategy. It's because it's completely moronic to target the floaters when there are other big players in the house on the other side who are direct threats to you. It's like, when you're a floater, you're basically like 50% of a threat. And so when you compare that to somebody who is 100% of a threat, you're always going to seem like the less threatening player. And you should be right. from both sides. And that's why it's a good strategy in, in, in theory if it's executed properly. And that's why like a lot of winners have done this strategy on seasons where there are two sides. Um, so, yeah, it's just... I. It feels like they have kind of... Like, there's, there's, I think there's two things going on with why they've come up with this, in my opinion, completely insane idea. Um, one is... I think that there's some personal feelings they have where they are upset, especially at Tina, that she basically jumped ship from the Alliance the second that something started to go wrong. Uh, correctly, I would I would add. Um, yep. uh, definitely, you know, Tina, we said from the start, was the most uh, self-interested member of the Sunsetters, and I think that showed. Uh, where she yeah. like immediately like was like oh not not a part of this <laughs> get under the bus get under the bus the rest of my alliance I'm coming with Tara yeah um, so obviously there's some probably animosity there for Tina doing that and that like she is now in a better position than them theoretically and that they like don't think that Tina and Tara Tara are like worthy of making it further because they're not like choosing a side they're not like planting their flag somewhere and so like that's probably part of it and then on top of it i think that they kind of see the writing on the wall that like yeah. if things don't change in some significant way like they're completely screwed right like unless they like start winning like like if jed T uh ty and beth don't like win like the next like three hohs between them or something like that like they're completely completely cut out of it so they're like what is anything that we can do to potentially get numbers on our side and they're kind of seeing what you're seeing or what you like you know elucidated was just like oh maybe we can buy ourselves a few weeks while like we agree to go after the floaters and then at that point like maybe we can get enough of a relationship with Rowan Kyle that we can have some kind of like gentleman's agreement to go at least you know a couple weeks into jury that's what they've said. They've even said, like, Beth even said to them out loud, you know, just make the deal for until jury. You know, you can't pass it up. That's what we all want. We all want to at least just make it to jury. And that's, like, a good deal for them. So, like, just make a truce to, like, not take shots at each other at least until jury. Take a couple of weeks to go after people like Tina and Tara, potentially even Victoria. Um, and, yeah, it's not going to work. Like, just straight up. It's, yeah. like, Rohan and Kyle have all of the power. They have the numbers now. Tina and Tara are likely to side with them unless Jed, Ty, or Beth win this next HOH. Um, yeah. In which case, they'll probably try to swing back um, and, like, make nice-nice with them, which we'll see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, no, this is... It's just not... It's not feasible. Uh, like, even if Rohan and Kyle, like, fake agree to this deal, 
you you know a hundred percent if one of the two of them win HOH, Jed and Ty are on the block guaranteed. They're not following through on this garbage deal. Yeah, and even if one of them pulls himself off, Beth or yeah, Beth Eber at this point, My, probably okay. Beth. Yeah, probably Beth. Yeah. So it's like there is no reason to take that deal. If anything, I would. If I'm the Suns, not the Suns. If I'm the Oddballs, I would still try to get one of them out. Jet or tie, yeah. So oh. Then they literally have no one, and then just pull them. I would, I would take the deal if I'm Rowan Kyle and I'm approaching the deal. I'm, I'm saying yes, and I'm just, I'm just not following through on it. If I win HOH, no. yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> well, you, you don't, you don't say no to it. I'm, just, I mean, I'll say yes, and I'll just like stab them in the back. Who cares? Like we're clearly on another side to them. We have the numbers. Like yeah, there's nothing they can do. Yeah, there's, there's nothing. literally nothing they can do about it. Like they just go and cry. Like what are they? I mean, they could win HOH the next week, but if that was the case. Like what? So you've you've been evicted a week earlier than you otherwise would have. Like it's just dumb. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, not not great. Um, not great in terms of their reads on this week. Not great in terms of their plans going forward. Not great in terms of their position in the game. Not great in terms of their prospects to turn this back around. Uh, not something I expected to be talking about here uh, with you a week later uh, when a week ago. It seemed like the Sunsetters had everything set up perfectly for them to run this game. But all it takes is, you know, I said this, I screamed this, we had like the one minute clip I said to cut it out and send it to every Big Brother potential contestant. That literally all you have to do to fuck up a majority alliance that like is kind of set up to run the game is somebody from outside the alliance has to win HOH, they just have to figure out who's in the alliance and just... Make sure to get one of them on, uh, like one of the two of, or two of them on the block and one of them out, and the alliance will crumble, almost guaranteed. Yeah. This is this is like textbook how to like make this work. In Victoria, while her execution was extremely messy, she did a lot of very petty things to just like needle Ty and Jed needlessly, and mm-hmm. kind of rub salt in Latoya's wound as she's likely to go out here. Uh, isolated Kiefer socially uh, by like jerking him around. Um, definitely could potentially be on the block next week if Jed, Ty, or Beth win HOH. Um, but it was fun, and she, her, her uh, HOH, while significantly messier than Austin's, was probably more on paper effective um, because she is now in the new majority alliance she's in a swing spot in the new majority alliance between two pairs which is a great spot to be in if that alliance goes deep uh and she's getting out a threat and she's completely dismantled the entire power structure that she was not a part of so a lot of people are giving victoria a lot of crap for being messy i think it's reasonable to give her crap for like some of the messiness that she's done but Mm -hmm. She brought great entertainment. She's completely flipped this season on its head. Like, even if she ends up on the block and going out in the next couple of weeks, you know, she played her game. And she played the hand that she was yeah. dealt. And this is, this is like, this is the path that you kind of have to go down as somebody who's on the outer, outsearly. Like, this is like the all-in play you have to make. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, you summed it up perfectly. 
honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about from last week or two, last few episodes? Anything that we kind of missed or anything you want to mention about the season as a whole? I mean, honestly, I think we just got to see if the phone's going to flip one more time. But um, <laughs> at this point, but no, I mean, this is like just great Big Brother. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Brother Canada is really bringing it. And I'm glad to have started watching on TV Can 9 at this point. Yeah. But um, I'm very sad about our all three of our winner picks on the Have Not Room are not doing too well. Um, I I would love to go over a path to victory for all three of them, maybe at some point. But um, it's, it's going to be rough. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the three of them or Ty will have to win the next HOH, I think, for them to even have a sliver of a shot to try to turn this around, but other than that, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to say. Um, I don't know, man. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up now. We're, we're over an hour now. We kind of predicted yeah. this, this podcast. We might be able to get it over in like 30 to 40 minutes last week. We didn't see it coming that there would be like uh, an entire like day and a half of strategy extra to cover, but this, this house is bringing it, so... Uh, That's this season, man. Yeah, so uh, so where can they find you, Chad, online? We can, we can wrap this up with our little plugs at the end here. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at ChadleyJP and on Twitter at ChadFerry25. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ben, Sher- or, uh, at ben Sharon, also on Instagram at Ben Sharon, even though I don't really use Instagram. But I do use Twitter. I tweet about Big Brother a lot. I uh, tweet about the feeds and my thoughts. Uh, I haven't been doing a lot of like actual, like, live feed recap tweeting like in real time but i'll kind of give like general thoughts about like anything that happens if you're interested in that uh and then you can also follow the uh the main channel at wicked good everything on youtube twitch tiktok facebook instagram basically every platform and then on twitter at wg everything uh you can hopefully hit the subscribe button on this youtube channel which is better radio which has all of our uh, podcast series on it, as opposed to our main videos, which are on the main channel. You can also check out Wicked Good Sports, which is our uh, recently launched uh, sports podcast. You can check out Brian and Chad, especially on that, talking about football, uh, covering uh, the, the basketball season, the hockey season now. Uh, soon we'll probably get some baseball content in there eventually, uh, when that season starts to, starts to wind up in the next couple of months or so. Uh, so yeah. Very exciting stuff, uh, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next week, I guess, for probably another hour plus podcast because this cast is insane, oh, and they don't let us even take a breath. Not at all, man. We love it. We love the clips. All right. <laughs>